The following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We've been talking about this issue of being flawless. How many of you today know that you're flawless? Man, I, I hope that you, let me ask you that again. How many of you today know that you're flawless? Most of you, good. I hope the rest of you get here by the end of the message today. And, and, and the reason why we're flawless is because of our position of righteousness. It's a position that we actually hold. It's not this esoterical, ethereal thing that's kind of out there that, okay, we're righteous, but what does that really mean? It's the position that we have with God. And so today I want to talk about how powerful your position of righteousness actually is with God and what righteousness means in your life. So let me begin this morning by simply reminding you that it is not about your good works. It's not about your behaviors. We think it is still, though, from time to time, don't we? You know how you can tell is on a day when you're having a bad day, you begin rehearsing the week. Okay, did I spend enough time praying? You know, I wish I hadn't said that to them because I said that to them. Now this is happening in my life and I'm hitting all the stoplights. People are driving slow to work. You know, I have issues with driving. And all these things are going on in our lives that we're speaking over our lives because we're not resting in the fact that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, a lot of people are still trying to earn or deserve righteousness. They're thinking, of, okay, I've gotten saved, so now I've got to, I got saved by faith and by grace, but now I've got to earn my righteousness. But you can't. You have to receive it. You have to receive it. And as simple as that is to say, and as simple as that is to understand, it is much more difficult to do. You have to receive it. You have to believe it. You have to believe that you're righteous. Well, how do I do that, Pastor Richie? You start speaking it over your life. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Midst of a failure, you've blown it, missed the mark one more time. God, I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you that if you will say it over your life enough, you will begin to believe it. And you will begin to receive it. So how do we do that? By faith. Not by how we feel. You ever get up in the morning to come to church and you don't feel saved? Just about every Sunday, right? Some of us have a tendency to wake up on the wrong side of the bed every morning. But it's by faith that we receive it. So Romans chapter 5, stay there if you would, but in Romans 4 it says this. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He didn't do a bunch of things. He believed God and it was credited to him as as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, now this is not talking about not having a job, it's talking about working to perform for God, but trust God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. So our trust is in God who justifies the wicked. That's amazing to think about. God justifies the wicked. Now, the word justify means declared righteous. So when you see the word justify, you can know that that means declared righteous. So when we trust in God, our faith is in his finished work and not in our own works. Now, how important is that for us to understand that? Incredibly important. 
You've got to know that it's not about you. You've got to know that you're standing in the righteousness of God simply because of what Jesus did for you. Let me, let me show you one more scripture before we go to Romans 5. Romans 9 says this. What then shall we say that the Gentiles, talking about non-Jewish people, who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it? A righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, the, the children of God, who pursued a law of righteousness based on performance, has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What he's saying is that if you're trying to pursue a righteousness by your good works, your self-achievement will become a stumbling stone to you. Because I think I'm righteous, I'm righteous, look how good I'm doing, no fights with my wife, life's going really good for me, I say, do, think the wrong thing, I stumble, oh God, am I righteous anymore? God, please help me. Because I was basing it upon my works rather than the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because God's righteousness has to be received by faith. Doesn't matter what your feelings say, doesn't matter what your emotions say. See, we sometimes interpret our feelings as God speaking to us. Now, he does speak to us, and sometimes we feel him, but you've got to be careful being led led and driven by your feelings. So it has to be received by faith. You have to believe. Jesus said, only believe. And the day you received Jesus into your life, the day you became born again, a new creation in Christ, you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It was a free gift given to you by God. So this morning, I want to look at Romans 5 so that, first of all, we can continue to develop our understanding on this issue of righteousness. See, the Word of God talks about in Isaiah 54 that we need to become established in righteousness. It's it's not good enough just for us to know about righteousness. We need to become established in righteousness. So I want to share this morning so we continue to develop this understanding of righteousness, but tie it to the understanding of what's the deal with sin. What's the issue of sin so that we can understand how sin works into our lives? So I want to look at this verse in Romans 5. And remember, every time you see the word justify, it means what? Declared righteous. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, which means declared righteous, through faith, we have peace or wholeness. Wellness, all areas and arenas of our life, with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the day that I realized that I was righteous, that's the day I understood that I'm whole. I, I, knew, I was a Christian long before I understood that I was righteous. And that's the day that, that I understood that I'm whole because I'm in Him. Now I have peace with God. I'm not anxious about my relationship with God anymore. I'm not wondering if God is going to be like some of my friends or for some of you maybe some family members or people in your life that the moment you disappoint them and let them down, they're out. Preach it, Richie. (laughs) We're able just to rest in the fact that God is never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. So it creates peace with him. 
I can rest and relax in my relationship with God. I love to come to church because I'm not fearful when I come to church that God's disappointed with me. So in the middle of worship, I can't help but jump and dance around a little bit. Some of you still are coming in going, oh God, please don't strike me. You know what I said this week? We have peace with God. Verse 2, through whom we have gained access. Watch this. We've gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Are you seeing faith coming up over and over again? Notice that he says that we have access into this grace. What grace? The righteousness of God. It's a powerful thing to understand the righteousness of God. This grace that is referring to our justification. He says that because we have been declared righteous and we have received righteousness as a free gift, not trying to earn it, not trying to deserve it, and it was given to us through the grace of God, that we have access into this grace in which we stand. Where are we standing? In the righteousness of God. Verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What he's saying is it's time to rejoice. It's time to get happy. Because of where you're standing today. You're standing in the righteousness of God. It's time to get happy because by grace you're standing smack dab in the middle of being in right standing with the creator, God Almighty today. And because of that, you now qualify for the abundant life that God has for you. You didn't deserve it or earn it. By faith, we have access through this righteousness and we stand. Therefore, we, we rejoice. It's time to get happy, rejoice, leap up, jump, spin around because I'm standing in the righteousness of God. And because of that, I now have access to everything that comes with that. And I'm going to preach myself happy today. I heard a story once about a man who traveled across the Atlantic Ocean on a cruise ship. But he never ate in the dining room with all of the other passengers. Instead, he would go off to a corner and eat the cheese and crackers that he had brought with him for the trip. Near the end of a trip, another man asked him, why don't you come into the banquet hall and eat with us? The, the traveler was kind of embarrassed and he said, well, to tell you the truth, I only had enough money for just one ticket. And I didn't have any extra money for fancy food. The other passenger raised his eyebrow in surprise and he shook his head and said, Sir, don't you realize that meals are included with the price of the ticket? Your meals have already been paid for? See, this is what happens sometimes is the enemy wants you to think that God is a God of lack. That God doesn't care for you unless you perform to some level, some imaginary level, that if you can ever get there, then God's going to bless you. It's already been paid for. You can go into the dining hall and eat from the table of the Lord today. See, I think this is what happens with way too many Christians in their journey through life. They're living out a meager existence, not realizing what Jesus has done. That because of what Jesus has done, we are righteous. We are flawless. And that means that we have access to everything that comes with that. Access to what? Access to every promise in the word of God. I don't care what your theology teaches you that some things have been done away with. You have access to every promise that you can find in the word of God. You can stand upon the word of God, which is a solid rock. Culturally, They're trying to tell us that the word of God really isn't relevant anymore. 
It doesn't fit in today's society because, you know, God is, because life is changing and God doesn't really recognize what's happening. Seriously? He knew the beginning from the end, so he gave us a roadmap, his word, his promises to help us to understand how to walk in the abundant life. We have access to everything in the word of God. Verse 3, not only so, and remember we're talking about the righteousness of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Now there's some of you that you wonder why sometimes we suffer. We're about ready to learn. See, he's saying, first of all, we rejoice standing in our righteousness. And then he says, not only do we rejoice standing in our righteousness, but even when trouble comes, we rejoice standing in our righteousness. You see, our right, in our righteousness, not even trouble can stop me from rejoicing. Because whether there's trouble or not, I'm still standing in my righteousness. I didn't get out of righteousness because difficulties are in my life. So I can always rejoice because I'm standing in my righteousness. We also rejoice in our sufferings. Reading on in verse 3. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now look at what suffering produces. By the way, how many of you just absolutely love suffering? We should. Honestly, I mean, we shouldn't be looking for it. Some of you intentionally create suffering in your life. That's not always the best road to take. But when suffering comes, we should rejoice in it. Here's what it produces. It produces perseverance. When we're going through suffering, it produces perseverance. The reason why it doesn't produce perseverance sometimes is because we give up in the middle of suffering. I'm suffering. God, what's going on? God, you've left me. God, Pastor Richie says I'm righteous, but I guess I'm really not. I guess the word of God really isn't true. How I feel right now is more true than what your word that's been around for thousands of years says. It produces perseverance. Some of your translations say it produces patience, but that's really not a very good word because if suffering produced patience, how many of you recognize we'd be the most patient people in the world? What this word means and and what it's saying that our suffering produces is perseverance, that ability to remain steady, the ability to remain the same. I love good times just like everyone else. But I don't want to be up in the air on the mountaintop when good times are coming and way down in the valley of depression when difficult times are coming. I want to learn how to be steady. I want to learn how to remain the same. Why? Because my eyes are on Christ and who I am in Christ Jesus. My eyes are not on me. My eyes are not on my circumstances. God's not changing based upon what's going on around me. Remain the same. It means that because of our position in Christ, we recognize our position. We recognize our position in the righteousness of God, and because of that, what we believe before suffering came is the same thing that we believe in the midst of the suffering, and it'll be the same after the suffering is over. You see, when you persevere through suffering, it produces character. And by character, I mean it doesn't waver in the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It creates this characteristic in us of being able to remain steady, to remain the same. And it happens when you understand your position in Christ. 
Because when you understand that, what you believed about God's promises before the suffering comes is the same in the midst of the suffering. And it'll be there when the suffering's over. But you're going to have to persevere. And I don't mean grunt it out alone. Oh, God, okay, I'm going to hold in there. My family's driving me nuts, but I'm holding in there. God, my boss is driving me nuts. Oh, God, I wish, oh, if this would just change, everything would be okay. You persevere, because it produces character. It means, it means you're remain, remaining the same about the victory, about the thing that you're persevering for. You already have in your mind. See, the character produces hope. This is the reason why we, as an Amarillo Fellowship, that we are a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. That our prayer for us as a congregation, that we are the most loving people in Amarillo. Come on. That we are the most loving people in Amarillo. Way in the back, y'all believe me? We're the most loving people in Amarillo. Amen. It means that we're growing and learning to be more courteous. We're learning to be more kind. We say right words even in response to bad words. We're making a choice to be loving. But we also want people to have hope. We want them to understand and know the hope that is found in Christ Jesus. See, character produces hope or an earnest expectation. It means that you've got an outstretched neck, kind of like a baby bird. You know when the mama bird comes to drop the, the worm down in its mouth? I know it's a little gross. But that baby bird's got its neck up there. Ah! There's an earnest expectation. Now what if the mom kept going, psych, right? Then pretty soon, pretty soon the bird would quit having that earnest expectation. But it's an earnest expectation. It means our neck's outstretched. You're expecting and ready to receive something. Some people are just waiting until they receive it to believe God. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because it's a life of faith. Character produces that hope. In other words, because of what Christ has already done, it has produced an expectation that if he did it back then, he can do it again. See, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of the storms of life, you need to look back and remember what Christ did. You need to remember the time that he healed you. You need to remember the time that he delivered you. Listen, if God didn't do anything else but save you, you would have enough to look back on and remember the goodness of God. Verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. Why is that? Because you're standing on God's word. Listen, you don't jump up on the word of God. Okay, God. No? Okay, I'm out. You're standing on the word of God. How are you able to do that? Because you're standing in your righteousness. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for Christians. No, Christ died for the ungodly. Who did he die for? The ungodly. Look at that. He didn't die for the Christians. He didn't die for you because you earned it and deserved it. He died for the ungodly, drug-pushing, sex-crazed, whoremongering fools. That's who Christ died for. Can you wrap your mind around that? Think of the worst person that you can think of throughout history. Christ died for them. He didn't die for you when you became a Christian. He died for you even when you were ungodly. Verse 7 very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Woo! And the Bible calls that love. While we were still sinners, while you were party hardy, loosey booty, rooty tooty, fresh and fruity. Whatever it was that you were doing when you did it, Christ died for you. Christ died for you. In your worst moment, Christ died for you. In your the most challenging circumstances, when you missed the mark, when you missed the mark, though you said you weren't ever going to miss the mark again, Christ died for you. Isn't God's love amazing? Are you beginning to get a glimpse of how much God loves us? Pastor Rich, I already know all about God's love. I promise we don't have a clue yet. We are just beginning to understand barely the love of God. Listen, I'll tell you when we'll know we're, we're loving God is, man, we can't wait to get to church. Preach it, Richie. We can't wait to read the Bible. We can't wait to pray. We can't wait to talk to others about Jesus Christ. In fact, we don't have to have a witnessing program because you're, you're all day long, all week long going, let me tell you the good news about Jesus Christ. Right there at your cubicle. You're pulling people in having Bible studies on your break. You're pulling people in having Bible studies and you're talking about the goodness of God and reminding them. That's how we know we're becoming consumed and filled with the love of God. Isn't God's grace amazing? Man, sometimes we can sing the old hymn, Amazing Grace, and we kind of think, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, God. What else you got for me? Got 15 more minutes. Verse 9. Since now we have been justified, what does justified mean? Declared righteous. Who's been justified? We have. You have. You have been declared righteous. You're a child of God here today. You've been declared righteous by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him, through Jesus? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Now, this word reconciled in the Greek means to totally change or to make totally different. So let me read that again. Instead of, instead of um, uh, reconciled, put in the word totally changed. For if when we were God's enemies, we were totally changed to him through the death of his son, how much more having been totally changed shall we be saved and that word saved is one of my favorite greek words sozo it means to save to heal to protect to to do everything good in our lives through his life not through our lives not through our performance not through our behaviors through his life so do you understand that even when we were enemies we were totally changed to god by his death we've been saved we've been sozoed today through his life, we received him. We became born again, and the righteousness of God replaced our old nature with a new nature. We're totally changed. Verse 11, not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have now received reconciliation. Now, the Greek word here for reconciliation is derived from the Greek word reconciled that we looked at earlier, but it means to exchange or restore. We exchanged our old nature for our new nature. We restored the nature that God had originally created us for. All right? So if you run into somebody from your past, you might do this at your class reunion or out on the town and they come up to you and say, yeah, I remember you. Do you remember when we used to fill in the blank? 
You just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, wait a second, man. That person has been totally changed. That person you're talking about died 10 years ago and we buried it. I'm now a child of God and because of that, I'm totally changed. Who I was, I'm not anymore. Who, what I did, I'm not anymore. I've been totally changed. Wow. Now I shared this this morning to remind you of your position in Christ. Because your position in Christ is foundational. In fact, if you don't understand your position in Christ, it affects everything else in your walk with Jesus. If you do not get the foundation right, anything that you start building on there, if the foundation is not right, it affects everything in your life. So can you see how in light of everything I've been talking today, I've been talking about it, all of it in the light of the righteousness of God. Understanding that we're right with God simply because of what Jesus has done. Because you see, there, there are some of you that might be here this morning, and there are people that ask me this from time to time, that want to know, what's the deal then with sin? And it's a great question, because some of you might be saying, well, now that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it seems like I can do whatever I want to do, because in the righteousness of God, I have the right to miss the mark and still be in the righteousness of God. You're like what Paul was asking in the next chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what he sa- when he says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He doesn't leave us hanging because he immediately in the next verse answers it and says, by no means. Why? Because we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Listen, and God's whole attitude about it is this. Look, I'm not telling you not to sin because I can't take care of it. It's already been taken care of. I'm telling you not to sin because as creator, speaking to my created beings, I know how you're designed. I know how your life is supposed to operate. I love you. I want what's best for you. But as long as you try to live your life your way instead of my way, you're just going to have problems in your life. Because see, sin is a seed that has a harvest And while God is merciful and forgiving, the harvest or the results of sin can still be so damaging. Anytime I violate the word of God, I'm actually not breaking the word of God. I'm breaking myself against the word of God. You look at people today, and in in our society today, sex is running rampant. There are people who are living outside of the boundaries of the word of God related to sex. To relating to sex, not sex. They're relating, relating to sex. And what's happening is they're getting emotional soul ties with people that they're not in a covenant relationship with. And because of that, they're dealing with all these depressions and all these fears and all these anxieties. They're carrying this baggage around because they're living their life contrary to the word of God. It's like I talked a few weeks ago, the stream of God's promises are moving one direction and if we'll flow with it, the abundant life is amazing. But if we start walking against it, we'll start striving and struggling and try to wonder, God, I thought you promised me all of these blessings. Unforgiveness. I'm telling you, we deal with unforgiveness and we don't deal with unforgiveness way too often. Listen, if you're going to spend any time with anybody, you're going to have the opportunity to get offended. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you, even good people, even godly people. See, the problem with godly people is that our standard for them is way up here, where for the world it's just right down here. 
So if people are operating right about here, we're still fine with everyone in the world because they're real. Everyone up here, the Christian folks, are hypocrites because they're not operating up here. We're all just a work in progress. And we need to recognize and understand that when we're being unforgiving, it's not affecting and damaging the person. It might a little bit the relationship. The biggest effect is on us. A lot of times we get so easily offended, we need to recognize the damage that sin causes. We need to stop carrying around all of the luggage and baggage that the enemy is trying to weigh us down with. Every time that you plant a seed of sin in your life, it creates a blockage that is going to stop stuff up in your life. And you're going to be hearing about all the promises of God, and you're going to be expecting some things to show up. And because the harvest of sin is blocking stuff up, it'll damage your faith. God, why isn't this happening? Why is my family operating like this? Are you loving in the midst of your family? God, why are my finances like this? Are you doing what the Word of God's talking to you about doing related to finances? It's going to damage your faith and it's going to start affecting you at the root of righteousness. So how are we supposed to live? By faith. Here's what Galatians 3 says. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Notice that once we understand that we're righteous, now we live by faith. We don't live by faith in what the world thinks. We live by faith, faith in God. Do you have faith in God today? Oh, yes, we absolutely do. Problem comes, God, where are you? Faith in God, faith in his word. You get into the word of God so the promises get into you. Faith in his promises. Faith in the righteousness in which you now stand. Why faith? So you'll start thinking like God thinks. You want to operate in the blessings of God? Start thinking like God thinks. We don't naturally do that, just so you know. In fact, here's what Romans 12 says, and do not be conformed to this world. I see church people being conformed to the world all the time. If, the, if it was on your favorite sitcom, if it was on your favorite TV, if your favorite movie star or singer said it, it must be true. We're conforming to the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. And just so you know, your mind needs to be renewed every day. Every day, because every day, it's being, the world is trying to conform you to its way of thinking. You watch stuff on TV, you begin to believe that's reality, because it's bombarding you. I love the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We have to make a choice. Do we believe the word of God or do we believe what the world says? Let's make it not a rhetorical question. Go ahead and answer me. We gotta make a decision. Do we believe what the word of God says or what the world says? The word of God. We've got to choose to believe the word of God. See, too many Christians are copying the behaviors and customs of the world and then they're wondering why their life isn't working. They're wondering why, why is my relationship so negative? Are you submitting to one another? Are you loving one another? Are you putting one another first? Or is it I'm just in as long as you do enough for me? Preach it, Richie. 
Let me show you the promise from the Old Testament. You know, when we read the Old Testament, it's Christ concealed. In the New Testament, it's Christ revealed. And, and in Joshua chapter 1, they're about ready to enter the promised land, and God is, is talking to Joshua, and he's saying, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Now, it's not talking about us performing to be right with God. It's talking about us learning how to walk in the abundant life that God has for us. In fact, that word meditate means to say it under your breath. All the time. Listen, if you've got anger issues, you just begin to declaring over your life, God, I thank you that the love of Jesus Christ is in me, and therefore I can show love even when I want to pop off and get mad and angry. If you're struggling with lust in your heart, you just begin to say, God, thank you that the love of Jesus Christ is in me. Therefore, God, I know that your love is perfect love, so God, I'm going to stay focused on your love and not get distracted by the things that are coming to me through the internet. If you've got got um, anger issues or fear issues, you just begin to declare, God, thank you that the love of Jesus Christ is in me. Here's what happens. For then you will make your way prosperous. Notice that you are going to do it because you're walking with God. You're no longer walking against him. You're walking with God, and then you will have good success. Again, we're not following God's commands to be right with God, but because we are right with God. He has made us righteous. Now everything that Jesus is, we are in this world. All the inheritance that Jesus has is made available to us because we're righteous. We just need to learn how righteous people act. How do we do that? According to the word of God. Why? Because we're righteous. So, we need, so that we can start talking, thinking, living, and acting like we're righteous. Listen, the enemy wants to tell you, look, you can't do it. You can't do it. Look, you tried it and you blew it. You blew it once, but how many times did you do it? I mean, think about that for just a moment. Think about one of your bad days, 15 minutes to an hour that you really blew it. A lot of cussing going on, a lot of anger issues, a lot of whatever, watching what you shouldn't be watching, whatever it was, hour long. Oh, God, that's not who I am. Thank you, God, that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the other 13, how many ever hours you sleep that you're awake, you lived right. You can do this. We can live right. We can live like we're righteous. We can act like we're righteous. We can talk like we're righteous. Now, just so you know, I'm not talking about self-righteousness. Because that's what the, have you noticed that the devil tries to steal words all the time? It makes us want to say that if we say I'm righteous, people go, oh yeah, you're just a self-righteous person. No, we're not self-righteous. We are righteous because we're in Christ Jesus. And when we're recognizing that, what that creates in us is confidence and humility. When it's about self-righteousness, it's pride and arrogance. God, I can do this. God, no, I can't do it. God, I can do it. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, now that we're understanding our position in Christ, and just so we know, let me remind you, this is a journey. This is a journey that every day we need to be on. We need to understand our position in Christ. Now we live our lives like righteous people. How is that? By faith. It means that we live our lives according to the word of God because that will help us avoid the harvest of sin in our lives. You're righteous today. You're righteous today. You're righteous today. You're righteous today. Once you say it, say, I'm righteous. Say it again. I'm righteous. Come on, say it again. I'm righteous. Come on, one more time. I'm righteous. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the position that you have with God today.
This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.